Hello and welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and healthcare sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Teddy Potter, professor at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing, director of the DNP program in Health, Innovation, and Leadership, and director of Planetary Health for the School of Nursing. Teddy shares her perspective, current work, and a deep sense of optimism about nursing and our world's healing. Well, I'm thrilled to have on the podcast today, Dr. Teddy Potter from the University of Minnesota. Welcome, Teddy. It's great to be here. Thank you, Beth. You bet. Well, start in and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing these days. I know you have some exciting projects going on. Sure. Um, I am faculty at the School of Nursing, where I'm a professor. I coordinate the Doctor of Nursing Practice in Health Innovation and Leadership. So I I have the wonderful job of preparing future nursing leaders and being amazed by these young people that have wonderful ideas for transforming our system. In addition to that, I've recently been appointed the Director of Planetary Health for the School of Nursing, which is a brand new role, uh, not only just at the School of Nursing, but also uh, one of the first roles of its uh, type nationally and internationally. So I'm very excited about that work, uh, as well as the Nurses' Drawdown. So I hope that we can speak about both of those today. Oh, boy, you've just got all sorts of things that I want to ask all sorts of questions about. Let's start with the planetary health, um, but I want to go back also to some of your thinking about leadership particularly. But um, because the the Center for Planetary Health is uh, pretty new at the university, but you've been working in the area of planetary health for a while. Could you describe how you conceive of planetary health? Sure. It's not really my conception. It is a, a, a global movement. It was started about five years ago, and um, it's affiliated with the Planetary Health Alliance at Harvard. And so anybody who's interested in doing a deeper dive into what is planetary health, what are its principles, and how do people uh, uh, practice as planetary health practitioners, um, they can go to that site, and there's many, many resources. So planetary health is um, defined as the uh, impact on human health of our uh, the way we live as humans that the way the decisions we're making and the um, structures we've put in place and the actions we've taken have actually threatened the uh, survival of our species, not just the health, but the actual survival of our species. Many of the things we have been doing um, have led to uh, improved health around the world, um, increased populations, uh, a better standard of living, uh, but there also have been some downsides to some of the decisions we've made. And what we're trying to do is uh, get a handle on that so that we can live sustainably and uh, still um, support human development, but not um, to the extent of causing um, potential uh, collapse of our civilization. Yeah, because we're we're kind of up against it, aren't we? Well, so, so tell me, how do you... Um involve students in this and we do you weave this into existing courses do you conduct research tell me what you the work at the center for planetary health is and will be 
And actually, it's not a formal center. It's a position that I have. Um, but the School of Nursing at the University of Minnesota has um, uh, put planetary health as part of its core mission. So we are in the process of developing curriculum that will thread through our baccalaureate, MN, DNP, and PhD programs. We're setting up uh, nursing models and nursing theories that we will be able to test in nursing research. And um, we are certainly uh, working uh, with uh, Harvard and other programs in our service component to further um, this uh, development of this uh, way of thinking. Cool. And and regarding planetary health, uh, I know that you've done some work, and we can talk about this as well, in evolving curricula per, around climate change across disciplines. And is you've been talking about planetary health in the School of Nursing. Is it also a cross-discipline focus? Absolutely. Well, thanks for asking. So at the University of Minnesota, we created climate change curriculum for the entire academic health system or health center. We uh, created curriculum that impacts students in 17 different uh, health um, uh, professional schools um, on five different campuses. And our um, I believe was that it should be interprofessional curriculum. Uh, so that all students get the same type of education about climate change, and then that's threaded through their coursework. It is open access, purposely open access, so anywhere in the world, anyone in the world can uh, uh, log on to the Center for Global Health and Social Responsibility and have access to that curriculum. Similarly, planetary health it takes it even a step further. Instead of just being the health professions working on solving these great problems, uh, planetary health is transdisciplinary. So it involves uh, specialists in uh, animal health, um, agriculture, uh, the health of the planet, forestries, fisheries, um, uh, across the board. Uh, we also need people in law. We need people in public policy. We need people who are um, in education, engineering. So you might think, um, ask, what the heck is a nurse uh, doing <laughs> crossing all those disciplines? And my response is nursing has always crossed disciplines. We have always been systems thinkers. We are very concerned that uh, the health of the patient involves the environment that they live in. What's their housing like? What's the air like? What's the water like? Do they have adequate food? Do they have adequate support? So this is not a stretch for us to see, connect the dots and understand that we need to be working across disciplines in order to solve these uh, grave problems uh, and challenges facing um, human health and human survival. Fabulous. It sounds just like such a promising um direction and um, collaboration and um, based in both science and, you know, ethical intention. It's really exciting to hear about it. Thank you. Instead of being something new in many ways, it's recovering uh, a, a way that we once um, thought and understood. And certainly um, the Planter Health Alliance uh, is in deep partnership with indigenous uh, partners and indigenous healers where the understanding uh, runs very deep that we're all connected. Uh, there's a reason that people refer it, um, to all my relations in that you cannot consider the health of one if the health of the others are um, challenged. So it's all one uh, connected system and we need to be working together um, to solve these issues. <laughs> 
Yes, here, here. So, so to back up just a little bit, um, I know that you've been the director of the DNP program in innovation and leadership. Um, first of all, I'd be interested in your um, approach to or theory about innovation and or leadership or both. And then I want to explore a little bit about uh, how that informs your planning and uh, um, uh, desires, I guess, for development of your work in planetary health. Sure. Traditionally, in many schools and colleges, uh, this particular specialty of DNP would be um, in uh, nursing administration or nursing management. And the people who designed uh, this um, program at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Joanne Dish, who preceded me, uh, felt that uh, nursing nurses have to be prepared to, to be leaders in any context that we enter. So we prepare people not just necessarily to be chief nursing officers or chief executives of healthcare systems, which they many do end up becoming, but also to be leaders uh, in healthcare, um, in nonprofits, in organizations like the World Health Organization or the United Nations, in uh, programs in home care and community care and public health. So we're preparing people who are have a very fluid skill set that allows them to lead wherever nurses need to be, which is basically everywhere. Uh, every every board benefits from a nurse. Every form of government benefits from a nurse. Uh, and every uh, municipality, state, and nation benefits from nursing leadership. And that's the type of leadership that we prepare. We also uh, uh, teach our students to think differently in that um, if we teach them to prepare for today's jobs and to think the way that has created today's situations, we are not going to be the disruptors and the transformers that I believe are necessary um, to have a sustainable healthcare system. So how do I apply all this? Uh, in my, <laughs> it's a natural feed uh, and a natural uh, connection to Planter Health Alliance. Uh, I prepare uh, leaders that can think across disciplines. I prepare leaders to be partners and work with one another, to be respectful of different views and to, and to actually seek out different views, to apply design thinking and system thinking, and to definitely have a global perspective in that uh, we can solve um, situations at a very local level, but we know very well that the globe is coming to us and we are part of the globe global situation. So we need tomorrow's thinkers to be uh, thinking that way. That's really interesting and promising. And uh, I can conceive of some of the ideas and the need. And my own master's work was in innovation. So I have some idea of, of bringing different skills and different ways of thinking, seeing and communicating to circumstances but um, also I'm daunted by the challenge of solving our global problems. So I'm, I'm heartened that um, you speak optimistically about it and with knowledge of practical, useful ways to develop thinkers and leaders. Absolutely. I am immensely hopeful because I, I think by thinking differently, I have seen our students come up with solutions that... Um, heretofore didn't exist, and they're, they're viable and positive and effective solutions. 
And I, I, regarding innovation, I really feel that innovation doesn't occur in field A or field B or between uh, person A, you know, in person A or person B. I feel it's at the liminal edge when you um, span, the, span these boundaries between either people, disciplines, professions, or nations even, that between, um, between these two sets, or two or more sets, is the space where novelty can occur. So it's uh, we try to we work hard to create these aha experiences. When you, when you bring a, a different way of thinking into your field of vision, all of a sudden your whole world expands, and you learn uh, from those uh, their knowledge and their skills, uh, potential new ideas that can transform your own area of practice. That's cool. That's a great uh, way of putting it. I used to, I recognized I had a certain comfort in what I called interstitial spaces. Yes. And, yes. Um, and yet in my own life, they, they sort of occur. I don't plan them. And so how do you go about doing that when you say you, you set up uh, structures where these discoveries can occur? Right. So um, part of it is a deep knowledge of our students. So in our program, we do not take a cookie-cutter approach. Um, our students do not all come out looking the same. They don't all come out with the same experiences. We listen very, very deeply to who they are and where, what's calling them forward and what they hope to uh, create, what, what's, a, what's a burning issue for them that they want to get involved in. And then we design the program around them to um, in, improve their own leadership, their own skills, but also to push them out of the nest a little bit in that if they've only been acute care nurses and, and have worked only in a hospital-type setting, then we get them out doing community work and public health work. If they've only lived in a rural area, perhaps we have them spend some time in the city or vice versa. If only they only know city and the city needs, we send them out into rural communities. Uh, we also have some global experiences to uh, help our students understand um, that uh, the world is very, very different and there's many, many ways of doing things. And all of them um, can be just as effective. And sometimes the very, very best practices that will help improve our quality and safety have nothing to do with the United States. They came and were developed in another country. So we teach our students to span their horizons on who's doing what and who had, who's creating the best solutions. Cool. Sounds really fun. So let me just ask you to back up and broaden out a little bit because your work in your career has um, oh, accumulated is not quite the right word. It has developed a, a certain focus area that is very broad. I mean, the broadest, the broadest of what we can really do on this planet probably is think, think of the whole and be working on solutions that, as you say, span culture and nation and time and age, et cetera. So when you reflect on your own experience in life, how do you think you got there? What, what were some influential um, experiences or moments or thoughts that deepened this uh, calling, if, if you call it that? I'm not sure that you would, but uh, you seem you know, very motivated by what's meaningful to you. Well, I'm very grateful uh, to have had, have had and continue to have a very rich uh, nursing practice. 
Um, and somebody, if if you were to only look at, at one little snapshot or one little time frame, you might say, none of this is connected and this woman is not focused. <laughs> but what I can tell you is it all connects. And it's like a weaving that if you look at it all together, it's like, oh, this makes so much sense. Even that at, at some points in my life, I didn't know how things connected. But in this, this current chapter, I can see, oh, this all makes a lot of sense. I would say some some uh, big sort of time markers were that I spent a semester in Taiwan, my senior year of college, and that exposed me to the understanding that there's just, as I said, many, many ways of walking through the world, many ways of doing things differently. No one culture is better than another culture, and that we can all learn from each other. So that, at a very early age and a very early part of my um, career, was a, a, an important insight. I also, um, in, in Taiwan, I worked with lepers, so it, it seemed like a natural um, place for me to enter early into uh, AIDS work, uh, which was sort of a modern-day leprosy, where people are um, were being um, uh, not accepted in their communities or by families. There was a great amount of fear. There was ostracism. So I spent 15 years working with um, people living with HIV-AIDS out in the community. I've always loved nature. That is um, a deep source of my own learning, my uh, where I get my uh, energy, as well as um, my my own spirit is is renewed when I'm out um, in nature. So that's been a common thread through all things. During my time in with the AIDS care, though, I I really began to understand. Um, what it means to be a marginalized person, a person um, that doesn't have privilege like myself, um, and how uh, uh, cruel our, our, our culture can be uh, when, when people have a difference. And so that led me down that path. I worked in our community college setting for 12 years, uh, teaching in, a set, in our setting, and uh, that helped me understand um, the courage and incredible uh, uh, just sort of fortitude of people who came to our country as uh, refugees and immigrants and seeking a, um, a better life and education and wanted to be nurses. So uh, all of this <laughs> works together into how do we um, transform our, um, our society to be a sustainable society. In graduate school, I worked with Dr. Rianne Eisler, uh, where I learned about cultural transformation theory, and I applied her theory um, in how we would transform healthcare. It's deeply based on the idea that um, cultures can choose to either orient towards domination uh, and exclusion and shame, blame, and fear, or they can choose to orient towards mutual respect, working together, and elevating everyone. So my early work in that field uh, is definitely applied in my field, in my work now going forward as we develop a healthy planet. Awesome. It does sound like a, a perfectly woven tapestry, Teddy. <laughs> but I know these, these things are more clear in retrospect. I'm interested in your um, journey and path through um, your multicultural experience, your your dive into, as you described, the marginalized when caring for people with HIV, your recognition of the, um, as you described, courage and 
uh, motivation of immigrants, particularly who were training to be nurses. Um, and also reflecting back to your experience with Rian Eisler, which is really quite a quite an opportunity um, that you've been aware of cultural transformation ideas for a long time. So let's overlay on that our environmental crisis. Okay. How do you, how do you make sense of the condition, or I guess the point in time where we where we find ourselves right now, in terms of both the planetary crisis, the, our global environmental crisis, plus this uh, these social crises which are occurring around the world, and and that's not all. There's also wonderful areas of growth and development and opportunity and freedom and fairness and justice and love. Mm-hmm. But how do you think about our particular our global environmental crisis? Um, with with this rich history that you bring to it. Well, one of the uh, one of the books that I've read, I read many many books, trying to pull thing threads from all sorts of different places, um, was uh, by Irvin Laszlo, and he said, um, species, um, all species, all living species, at some point in their trajectory, uh, come to a point. And he said it's often created by a, a change in the climate. Now, I don't think he necessarily meant climate change, but something that changes in the environment where the species either a, a um, uh, fails to adapt, fails to change and becomes extinct, or the species adapts and evolves and goes on in, in another form. And um, he said that he believes that humans are at that Point, that bifurcation point right now. And I think we are. But you just said it, Beth. Mm-hmm. All this uh, crisis, all this unrest, all these problems, and incredible development of love and hope and creativity. So you see some humans starting to choose evolution, and you see some humans starting to choose extinction. And we do not know which path will win out, which group will win out. I have a deep belief that we are going to evolve. And those that choose to not evolve and remain the way we've always remained are are not going to make it. But there's a whole group that are beginning to understand the skills and the the ways of being with one another that will promote a a very viable and very, very exciting um, new way. Yeah, that's really, uh, really optimistic and hopeful and exciting. And and I see that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, um, I probably mentioned this to you, but I, I have in mind a certain horizon. I mean, I don't know how many years that is, but it's sort of this, this place at which we will know. Because mm-hmm. I'm so curious. I mean, I don't know if it will be in my lifetime, you know, but I'm so curious about how this species is, is, uh, will, will, get through this, I, um, I have a sense that we will, and it doesn't, doesn't matter what I think about this, you know, this is just uh, conjecture. But I, I, because I can see the problem, we, we understand our problems, many people do, we understand our solutions too. But we're in this weird morass of chaos and confusion. I, I think to Joanna Macy, when she said that we, we, this is the time of great turning and we okay. just have to get through it. And in some ways we need to continue to disrupt those things that, as you say, are going down the, the way of not evolving, the way of really declining um, and failing to adapt. 
in part to buy time until a, a certain amount of things sort themselves out. However, I like to be more active than that. So that brings me back to some of the work that you're doing both in your leadership teaching and perhaps in your planetary health work about how do you have ideas for how all of us can nudge ourselves in this direction toward health, healing and evolution? Sure. So to, to make it even more complex, it, <laughs> it's not even just one part of the system that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Everything needs, needs to change. So it, it's not just, okay, well, if we, if we figure out health care, it'll all be fine. It's health care, education, our financial system, the way generations uh, are, connect with one another, um, our housing, our transportation, everything needs to be rethought. Now, you can either wring your hands and go, isn't that awful? Or you can go, well, isn't that exciting? Mm-hmm. Think of the potential and the possibility of creating something much better that works for all people. So that's the key. We need to have leaders, leaders who have clarity, not necessarily knowing exactly what this is going to look like, but willing to roll up their sleeves and uh, unite with people to build the better net, the next model. Because we have a lot of folks who understand everything's breaking down, but they will stay on this path till it takes them over the cliff to extinction unless they see a better option. We know when uh, the paradigm shifts require um, a, a, a choice, they require an option, and people will not make that choice until they know what they're choosing. So we need leaders who can get out and start to build our better system. We also need to make sure we don't exclude anyone because the next system is going to require the participation of everyone. So I constantly urge my students to look around the table and ask yourself who's missing. If somebody from a different group or different um, uh, uh, racial group or different spiritual group or different um, uh, education is missing, then, then part of our solution is missing. So who's missing? We also need to think differently. And, and uh, if you if you threaten people, if you shame, blame, cause a lot of fear, we know that people, um, when they're afraid, either fight or they flee. And so that is just not an effective leadership style for any form of change. So we need leaders who can um, create a sense of safety, a sense of hope, a sense of uh, optimism, um, excitement, and and leaders who can look at every single individual individuals and say, there's a place for you in the movement. There's a place for your unique skills, your unique abilities, and I need you. That's wonderful. Yeah, it sounds sounds so much like a nurse too, Teddy. (laughs) (laughs) 40 years in this this, profession will do it to you. Isn't it it marvelous though, really? I I wonder, I I have such an abiding faith in nurses and in nursing. And I think I've mentioned that the reason I got into nursing was because of the nurses. I think so much of nurses. What is it? You know, I mean, I I have my own answers, but what what are some of the features? And you, you mentioned this a little bit at the beginning, but that that gives nurses this set of skills. I mean, almost wherever they come from, you know, wherever we've spent our time, what is, what are the special and ineffable, um, I don't know, characteristics or something of nurses that really do help 
put us in positions to communicate well and to think well and to be inclusive and to be optimistic and to have a sense of the what's best for the whole and to even have a sense looking into the future because we we think about you know what happens with healing and recovery over time what how would you describe that well, I have actually, whenever I uh, struggle to explain something, I design a theory. <laughs> I have a theory for that. Oh, good. Um, I, and I call it the uh, the Tao of healthcare. And, and it's really to explain the difference between um, the thought processes of a physician and the thought processes of a nurse. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the thought processes and the way physicians are educated and trained, they do a history and physical, and uh, that his, history and physical looks the same whether it's done in New, New York or Texas or the United Kingdom. It's very standardized, asks the same questions. And the goal is to continue to do sort of a process of elimination. It's not this that I'm hearing. It's not this. It's not this. It's not this. They get it down to maybe three or four things that the, the complaint can be. And then they'll run some tests, some lab tests do some scans, et cetera, until they're, they're aiming for a differential diagnosis because the differential diagnosis is what they treat. It's what they need in order to treat. And obviously, some patients have comorbidities with several differential diagnoses. But what the physician wants to do is get it down to this level as fast and accurately as possible. And thank goodness they do. You don't want somebody dilly-dallying if you've got an appendix that's about to rupture. So you want them to be able to figure things out very quickly and treat things appropriate. Nurses start much smaller, though. We start with a little teeny-weeny bit of information. And instead of distilling it down even further, we increase that information. So we ask more questions, more questions, more questions, until we have a very, very broad understanding of that human. The physician's role is oriented towards cure, which is very discerned down to the the lowest level. And nurses are concerned about care, which is as broad as possible. So I want to know, what do people eat? Where do they live? What's their family structure like? Have they ever had any um, a trauma in their life? Have they experienced cultural trauma or historical trauma? Are they a member of a marginalized group? What's their education level? Have they ever had an allergy response? I mean, I, we're just asking many, many questions so that you have the fullest understanding as possible. Unfortunately, what happens is physicians sometimes look at nurses and say, well, why, why are they asking all those things? I only need to know about their diabetes. And the nurse will look at the physician and say, they don't want to know all this great information I have. Um, uh, they obviously don't care. When, in fact, if you pair uh, a uh, sort of skill set or knowledge set of a physician and the knowledge set of a nurse, it really makes almost the perfect Tao or, or whole. <laughs> and so nurses are well-positioned to lead these systems uh, uh, challenges, these issues that require systems thinking. It's the way we think. It's the way our um, uh, profession orients. Secondly, as I said, we need to think differently. So not only in terms of systems, we need to think differently. So we, I teach um, all our students design thinking. And the first step of design thinking is you don't come in with your answers or your solutions you start with empathy for the user. And that empathy will help you understand the solution that needs to be co-created. 
So nurses have a, a tremendous empathy, and that's what I think positions us well to solve these complex problems. Terrific. That's wonderful. Wonderful uh, skill and uh, that you've described and, and uh, approach in terms of the design thinking. You know, f- from my background, which started outside of nursing but in science, uh, I was troubled early on about the reductionistic nature of science naming and categorizing and putting things into different phyla and genera and species and etc. And that's very helpful as a map and very helpful to let us know what is in our world as we start to learn about our the natural history, for instance. And yet what is lost in that, as an example, is the whole or, and the connections and the relationships. And so it has seemed to me for some time that that while science brings, and I can't lump all of science together, but while science brings these incredibly powerful, incisive skills and, and tools in our thinking, also we, I believe, that, I believe this is one of our evolutionary challenges right now. We, we are not so able to think about whole systems, whole entities, interrelationships, what's happening within, how different parts of of um, things happening at once affect other things happening at once. And yet that's what we're up against in part with the complexity that we all see rather suddenly, I think, in the last 20 or 30 years with the advent of, of our internet communications um, and the tremendous amount of data that we have, particularly about the state of our planet. So in a certain sense, science is not serving us well and it's a little bit analogous, perhaps, to your ideas of a physician's training versus a nurse's training, in that the latter um, allows um, and invites and really requires and needs a more holistic view. And um, I just have the sense we need that in the, the other systems of our world as well. We do. And oftentimes uh, when people say, well, what's going on with the planet, I say, especially if they're health providers, they say, I bet you can recall a time when you cared for somebody in multi-system failure. We're, the planet's in multi-system failure right now. And it, when you're caring for a patient in multi-system failure, it isn't, the cardiologist can't solve everything, the nephrologist uh, can't solve all the problems, the pulmonologist can't solve everything, the nurse can't solve everything. It's a team approach, working in synchrony, no one person better than another, all understanding their own their contribution and when to turf it to the next person's contribution and back and forth, back and forth in an attempt to rescue the, the patient and help them survive. We need that same type of thinking right now in um, addressing planetary issues and the understanding that no one field is going to solve this. We need to be working together. That's why I'm so thrilled about um, at the University of Minnesota, we have what's called a Grand Challenge um, Initiative, and we recognize that uh, we're facing huge grand challenges, be it water shortage, civil unrest, uh, climate change, um, uh, uh, crop issues um, with not enough food, uh, and, and these issues won't be able to be solved by one discipline. So we now teach Grand Challenge courses uh, where they're taught by, they have to be taught by uh, two or more uh, faculty from different professions. So I teach a course called uh, uh, Climate Change Empowering a Movement, 
and I teach with a soil microbiologist, a fish and wildlife conservation professor, and a nurse. So the students get to see us engage, hear us, how we respond to one another, how we ask each other questions. And they exit that course, um, all, uh, students from all the various different uh, disciplines and fields of study attend, they exit that course understanding that um, this is how we work together. This is how we move forward on issues that um, are challenging and threaten us. Oh, it sounds just fabulous. A great um both model and uh, um, an experiment for them, you know, an exploration for them. And and the students love it. They mm. all say um, that afterwards they don't want to learn in a different way. And in many ways, you'd mentioned the Internet. It's in line with um, the generation that's grown up with the Internet. If you mm -hmm. want to know something, you just Google what you want to know. Mm -hmm. Whereas those of us that were educated quite some time ago, I had to go to separate libraries for different areas of not, uh, to look up different journals. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the science library was different than the library that had the psychology materials, different than the library that had education materials. And now people don't see that uh, those barriers, uh, uh, those sort of arbitrary and false barriers in fields of knowledge. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I love that part of, of our modern life, that so much access to data, data and knowledge, which is not the same as wisdom, I realize. <laughs> uh, now, I know I've taken a lot of your time, but I want to I wrap us up a little bit with, even though um, uh, you're describing the necessity of working across disciplines and uh, with all comers and, you know, really building uh, solutions with this grand challenge idea, for instance, and also what you have said before that, for instance, with multi-system organ failure, we need all all types of us, all people who can help. At the same time, I know because I work with you on this, you and and I and others are really trying to help move the dial with nursing uh, around climate change, particularly. Um, so. Um, I think, you know, we've talked a bit about, about why nurses are, are in a natural position to do that. So that's one question. Do you have anything else you would add to that uh, regarding particularly some of the work we're doing, Nurses Climate Challenge, um, Nurses Drawdown, the CHANT tool even, um, and, and there are others. And then I'd like to follow up with, and ask you to describe Nurses Drawdown. Sure. Well, nurses are fortunate. We have, we seem to be um, exceptional creators to solutions and um, uh, problems uh, don't stymie us. We get in and we create what we need. So all the things that you mentioned, the Nurses uh, Climate Challenge, which helps uh, nurses begin to understand about climate change and uh, gives them the tools and the skills and the knowledge to reach out to other nurses and start to build the movement. The, the chance survey that you created um, that allows nurses to express their current understanding and uh, level of awareness around climate change uh, gives you a good sense of what we need to uh, create to move forward. All of these things, uh, and, and the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, certainly, all of these things, these books, these podcasts, uh, webinars, uh, further our work and move nursing forward as leaders. Call us to be leaders. If we wait around and wait for somebody else to lead, we are not going to make it. Nurses have to step up and lead the change that we want to see. 
Great. And so do tell us about the Nurses Drawdown. Absolutely. So um, I'd like to just share that um, the seed of this was planted in my, my brain in 2014 when I was at the People's Climate March in New York City in Manhattan. And the, the march filled, I think, 80, 80 blocks of the city. We had uh, half a million people at that march. And um, I carried a sign that was in the shape of Minnesota, and it said, uh, uh, Minnesota Nurses for a Healthy Future. And I walked along the march, and I cannot tell you the number of times people said, the nurses are here, the nurses are <laughs> And they came out of the crowd. They wanted to be have their picture taken with me. Mm -hmm. They told stories about their aunts and their mothers. No. That were and I thought, what? is this? I, none of my other colleagues that were marching from other fields of study or other uh, disciplines had people dashing out of the crowds. <laughs> you know, the, the ministers are here or the teachers are here. And I thought, what is this? So I, I sort of stuck in my mind, something's, something is here that has tremendous potential. So in my course that I referenced, the Grand Challenge course, we use the Project Drawdown book, which is a, a science-based solutions that will work. If we, if we implement these solutions, they will draw down the greenhouse gases to safe levels so that we can continue to uh, survive. And so I love the idea of science-based solutions that work. I mean, that's what nurses do. We are science-based people. And so I thought, boy, if we can... If we can combine um, the the population's trust in nursing and nursing leadership with the drawdown solutions, perhaps we can make a, a change. So I pitched this to Project Drawdown. I said, would you be willing to work with nurses? And they said, we would love to. So we started, and Beth, you're part of this, as well as uh, other people that are participating in Annie and other nursing organizations, Sigma Theta Ta, uh, American Nurses Association, American Academy of Nursing, uh, American Hispanic Nurses Association, the National Student Nurses Association, were working on Nurses Drawdown. And we've chosen four key uh, drawdown solutions that we are going to ask all global nurses to do in their own lives and to teach patients how to do them as well. First is a plant-based diet. Second uh, is um, bikeable, walkable cities um, and, and using mass transit. The third is educating girls. That's actually a very effective climate change uh, initiative. And the fourth is um, nature-based solutions. So protecting our forests, mangroves, peat, uh, wherever people live, but it's protecting our forests. The, the beauty of it is if people do these four things, it improves their health and it improves the health of the planet. And these four things are very dear to nursing. They go all the way back to Florence Nightingale, who said, people can heal, nature heals itself, when we provide adequate food, good mobility, exposure to nature, and certainly she educated girls in the profession of nursing. So we're going back to our roots. We're uh, working with nature to um, move solutions, climate solutions forward. And nurses are on the move. We are leading this. That is so fabulous. It's exciting. And I can't wait to, to uh, help develop it and to see it developed. And um, maybe next spring or so, we can get a group of us on the podcast at once and, and talk about it in a little more detail. That'd be great. That'd be great. 
Well, Teddy, boy, is it fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to say or didn't have a chance to say? I would just like to summarize by saying that the the world that's coming is just spectacular and that we need everyone uh, to work with us to build it. But it is going to be a world that uh, um, includes all people and um, includes uh, is focused on health and prevention and um, decreased suffering. So stay tuned. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's great to have you, Teddy. Thank you, Beth. Yeah. was a pleasure to have a conversation with Teddy Potter today. Her wisdom and optimism are inspiring and infectious. Thank you again to Teddy, and thank you all for listening to this terrific conversation. This and other episodes of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast can be found at environ.org. That's E-N-V-I-R-N. If you have a chance, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.